Hey, and welcome to 9394, a music podcast with Travis Roy. How are you? Good to have you. Thanks for joining us. And by us, I mean myself and my two guests this time. Derek Fern has returned to the show. Then also my friend Jeff Branstrom has also come to join us today. And in fact, me and Derek joined Jeff. We actually met over at his house in a beautiful piece of property in a rural part of the state. And, you know, we just had ourselves a really good day. Every podcaster knows not to record outside. It's a no-no. You don't do that. But I did. And honestly, I have zero regrets. The audio is not great. I did what I could with it. So try and have some patience, I guess. I tweaked it the best I could to get it nice and audible. You can hear everything. I mean, don't get me wrong. But to be honest, that day was, it was about me and Jeff and Derek, you know. Um, It was just a really great day. Three old friends, three former bandmates talking about three bands. Talking about the work of Stone Temple Pilots, in particular the MTV Unplugged performance from 1993. And we talked about Jar of Flies, the sort of acoustic EP from the great Alice in Chains. And then Jeff, Derek, and myself were all part of a band called Kill Drama in like 2005 to 2000, I don't know. My life is a fucking blur. It was around 2005, 2008, 2007, 2001, 2003. You get the idea. Anyways, this is a double episode. It's pretty long. It's a buck and a half or so. The first two portions of it, we're talking about those two albums and the rest of it after that, we're just talking about our time in Kill Drama together. And even if you have any inkling of that completely obscure band that no one outside of our friend group is remotely aware of, even still, it's going to sound like some inside baseball. Uh, we just kind of just sort through some shit, I guess. But <laughs> it was fun to talk with them about this stuff. And I figured, fuck it. Why not? I'm a podcaster. It's my nature to be self-indulgent. I'll do an episode partially devoted to my own band. Oof. Whatever. So we get a little sloppy. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of drinking. A lot of drinking. And uh, we start to repeat ourselves and slur our words and shit. It gets to be a bit of a shit show by the end. I can't lie. But Derek and Jeff are just such sweet, genuine dudes And it was really a pleasure to reunite with them. Our other bandmates, Morgan and Jim, couldn't or wouldn't be there. So um, it was as close to a reunion as we've had in a while of that band. And it was fun to get it all on tape. So here you go. Branstrom, Derek Fern, and Jasper Boo Boo Branstrom, the dog. 
<laughs> Jeff, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Yeah. This is just an extraordinary weather we're having for this occasion. We are outside. Yes, this. we're outside for this. The sun's shining. Real good friends that I'm looking at right now, side by side, one to my right, one to my left. It's just an amazing experience because there's so much history, there's so much love, there's so much anticipation of what's about to happen. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's exciting because you're not sure what's going to happen, but you're just hoping that everything's smooth, you know, and it's it's awesome. Great to see you guys. Great to see I, you I'm, too, I'm dude. happy to have you guys. Awesome. Yeah. And thank you for having us because we were at Jeff's house. This is actually my first episode somewhere else. <clears throat> my second episode with Derek Fern returning, but in the flesh. How you doing, Derek? In person. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing awesome. Yeah, we were initially going to do this Jar of Flies episode uh, weeks ago, but uh, my 10-year-old son had a baseball tournament, and... Uh, that takes a lot out of a man being yeah, outside tenure. in the sun for like six hours and then, you know, coming home and having to do anything else is kind of exhausting. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I'm, I'm glad that when I hit you up, I was like, let's just do it in person. I'm coming into town all the way from Colorado. So I made a 1200 mile trek to be here <laughs> and I honestly could be happier to be with both of you guys. This is awesome. It mm-hmm. is. And it, it's worked out pretty nicely. This is the first time I'm doing two guests and two albums we're doing here jeff which which album are we doing from stone temple pilots today we're going to do the uh stp unplugged which was aired on mtv in 1994 i believe but i think it was shot in 93 maybe aired in 94 something like that something like that but uh yeah great album i always enjoyed it it's different now listening back than it was in the time. We'll talk about Stunted Pilots first, why not? And then we'll talk about which other album, Derek? Jar of Flies, <laughs> a seven song EP by uh, one of my favorite all time guitarists, Jerry Cantrell, with Allison James. Yeah, I, Fucking I'm, a. I'm excited to talk about it. I mean, honestly, he's like a guitar god to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I just love his style. So I'm happy to talk about it. While you brought that up, Mr. Cantrell, real quick, on my fourth episode with Dustin Lintz, I talked about. Jay Mascus being like one of the few guitar masters of like the alternative scene. I've regretted that so many times since. <laughs> Jerry Cantrell, obviously, Tom Morello, yeah. Matthew Sweet, Bob Mould. There's like so many great guitars from there. Jeff Buckley, right? Jeff right? Buckley yeah. very, yeah, great, great call. But Jerry Cantrell, we're definitely going to talk about him and the DeLeo brothers as yeah. well. So, ordinarily at this point of the show, I start things off. Of course, someone started mowing their lawn now. Fucking That's asshole. what I was worried about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're in the country. Would you just yeah, call them? Like, like, hey, you know. I should. <laughs> hey, uh. All I have is a can and string, though. But. Yeah. Trying to do a podcast. What's a podcast? Right. What's a podcast, <laughs> man? <laughs> do you need fertilizer? <laughs> so, ordinarily, I start the episode talking about like how I know the guest. And, Derek, you've already been on and talked about this with me. Jeff, how do you know me and Derek? Well, I was introduced to you guys briefly before, I was well aware of you guys before our band was formed, but Kill Drama Days. Of course, Travis, I remember that you're friends with my brother, Eric Brandstrom. Of course. we all know. Cinema 9 podcast, to do yeah, that with him. Yeah, that was great. And um, Still happening. I love it. Still, that's what I meant to say. But um, <laughs> Derek, I never met, never got to know Derek till the Kill Drama Band actually formed. It was a great relationship. We did a lot of fun stuff together. Always had a lot of laughs. And... Um, it's one of those things where when everything went down, I was kind of shocked, like, wow, whoa, a band and, and I'm invited to it? I was kind of like, I was taken back a little bit. But that was my first introduction to you guys. It's weird because I'm, I think I'm two years ahead, ahead of, of you guys. Yeah, I think so. So mm-hmm. we didn't have those memories that you have like with Peak and, you know, all the rest of the crew that we all know and love. Mm-hmm. But I think it worked 
I mean, it, it's different camaraderie because I didn't have the background, so it was a little bit harder to get to know you guys. But in succession, it happened. It, it didn't have to need the background stuff. Yeah, being bandmates has a way of really making people tight. Right. It um, is, definitely. Anything you want to add to that, Mr. Fern? Yeah, I just want to say, I mean, those are some of the best years of my life is playing with you guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I look back on those days all the time with such fond memories, you know. Not everything ends the best way and the way you really want it, but, I mean, when we were on top of our game, I mean, those are some of the, the best times I had, like playing live with you guys and, you know, whether it was three people at the logger house or, you know, opening up for Bear River Shark with, like, hundreds of people packed into the Blind Pig. Like, every show was so much fun. It was. And, uh, yeah, getting to know you guys through that process and making music together was so fun. For sure, man. I, it's funny. I was thinking about that on the drive over here. Kill Drama, the band that Jeff and Derek and I were in, along with Morgan Peake, who's been on the show, and our old friend Jimmy Takis. I'm trying to think. This is the closest I've had to a Kill Drama reunion, I think, <laughs> yeah, since we broke sure. up pretty much, because yeah, you yeah. left very quickly yeah, afterwards, yeah. and Morgan went to Florida. So to have three former Kill Drama members together in the same place, I think it's, maybe it's happened at the Feast once or twice. Yeah. Yes, but, yeah. But yeah. pretty rarely. So The last yeah. time was probably Feast 17, the last yeah, time when I we saw were... Derek. Just we we're yeah. missing Morgan. And, yeah, we're just, and, missing, yeah, we're just Morgan. missing Morgan that day. As we miss him now, and yeah, Jim, of course. Sure. But yeah, so we're going to be talking about Stone Temple Pilots and Alice in Chains and Kill Drama. So <laughs> sorry, <laughs> <laughs> we are going to talk about that Can't old, it, yeah, man. our glory days a yeah. little bit. <laughs> but let's start with Stone Temple Pilots and their Unplugged album. So. How did you get into this album? Do you remember? Well, I was introduced to it by my older brother, Marty. He's a guitar player as well. He learned everything back when we were kids in the 80s when we first started to be musicians. He was into Metallica, then he switched to the grunge scene, just like everybody else did. Yeah. Um, Nirvana, and then he played Dead and Bloated for me. I distinctly remember hearing that for okay. the first time. Hot song's and so I was ripping. like, what in the hell yeah. is this? Tears your face off right away. It's just it. pure vocal. That's what opens the song. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's like a, dist- a little bit of distortion on the voice. I don't know if that was natural or not, but... And I loved him ever since. But that's my introduction to STP. What about you, Derek? Do you remember getting into STP? Yeah, for me it was kind of the same thing. Like I heard, you know, the singles, some of which we're going to talk about, like Creep and, you know, those kind Flush. of... Yeah, right. and, and sex type thing, like those songs on the radio, I mean. And I was like, yeah, these songs are really good. And then I bought the album and, like, to be honest, like Core is probably a top ten album for me. Mm-hmm. Like I absolutely love it. Like it's from front to back, it's so freaking killer. And the guitar tone on that album, like as a guitarist, I'm just like, fuck, it's so good. Like it's so rich and full and in your face. And just like you're saying, like when he starts in and like the whole band kicks in, it's like, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. And it's, it's driving so, as hell. Yes, yes. That whole album like really just hooked me into SCP like right away. And this, of course, we're talking about the Unplugged album. So it's a departure. You know, it's yeah, the same songs. Absolutely, for sure. But they went out of their way to to restructure these songs in a way that's more palatable for the acoustic style, unlike a lot of the other grunge bands and rock bands from the era that did Unplugged. They just kind of like showed up and played their songs on acoustic. Stone Up a Pilot seemed like they went out of their way to do things a little differently. They did, and especially when you look at the video for the core stuff and then you watch the Unplugged, because Wyland looked so good. Mm. He looked like Clint Eastwood in an asylum (laughs) to me. (laughs) 
<laughs> he's sitting in that big rocking chair. Yeah, the rocking chair. Yeah, yeah. Enormous rocking chair, yeah, and yep. he just—he's got his hair. He's, he's looking like old school Eastwood to me. That's, that's what funny. I always thought. To, to me, yeah. that's my interpretation. He definitely has like movie star or had movie oh, star yeah. good looks. Yeah. But I would argue like he didn't look comfortable in the chair to me. To me, he looks like he wants to jump up out of that chair and fucking dance around. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. they had I'm an energetic live show, so yeah. it was probably tough for him to just sit there in a rocking chair yeah. and. Like, yeah, we're playing music. Yeah. But Jasper, they, thoughts? Yeah. He's what do you breathing. Think? You like the song? He's excited. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, not only did he look good, he sounded good and it was he did. good. Yeah. After listening to Core, and this is prior to Purple coming out when this was yes. recorded. Yeah, yeah. Unplugged, you know. Mm-hmm. And the only real song that they debuted was Big Empty. Yeah. You know. And that song is so good. That's, it's that's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, like that slide guitar that, like, yeah. I mean, it comes in and it's a little bit slower than the, like the purple version, mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't know, like 10 beats per minute or something, but it's got that Slightly groove. more laid back. Yeah. And, and you're just like, ooh, like you settle right in. You're like, oh, this is a good song. And I remember seeing that on like 120 minutes or whatever, you know, MTV when they actually played videos. <laughs> oh, hey. And, and you're like, damn, like this is so good. And I was so excited for Purple to come out when, you know, because I love Core so much. Yeah. yeah. And it was surprising that they were able to hold back from playing Interstate. It makes you wonder what was going on through that. What was the better song? Because a lot yeah. of bands, they get together. What's going to be the single? What's right. going to be the, the debut thing? And it, little did they know that Interstate kind of did better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think in the long run. Ultimately, we yeah. say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like it's like those kind of choices weren't always on the band either. You know, I think a lot of it was the record companies, you know, making those decisions of yeah. what came what and when and how. Yeah. But yeah, I, the I thought they nailed it with that. Yeah, the crow. Who knows if they were getting pushed by the producers from the crow with that. Like, hey, let's kind of push a song, but the thing is, if I can talk about what the impact that my favorite song on that album well, is Big Empty. Okay, so get to that that, that, that's the next question I was going to ask yeah. you. So Big Empty is your favorite song on the album. It is okay. it is not only musically, but the way it made me feel. Because I've always liked that movie too, and when I saw the preview for the movie, that has nothing to do with SDP, but they mesh. Yeah. And it left an impression when they were showing that sequence of that movie happening, and you're hearing that. Time and it's just, I felt it. I was enveloped. Like, Wait. Holy shit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get to that. <laughs> I can keep going if you want. I love it when you sing to me, but big prolonged eye contact. Okay, please. I will. I'm sorry. <laughs> But um, that's the one where I felt the most. Yeah. Okay. You know, because there's a lot of songs that I'm like, wow, that was technically proficient. Mm-hmm. And I like the bass line on that. And Eric Kretz was solid as hell, just like Bonham. You know, that's he's yeah. a 
he's solid as hell. Yeah, it was cool but, watching him play like a full kit too, I think, yeah. on the whole thing, you know, like, because I know Dave Grohl, like in the, you know, we're not, we don't necessarily need to talk about that, but like how, you know, they, they went a more acoustic route with the percussion. Yeah. But SCP, they're like, nah, fuck it, we're doing the whole kit. And well, he was out there with real sticks, like there's, those big fat sticks or whatever. There's at least the one song that he's playing yeah. bongos for, though. True. I, yeah. I don't remember what song it, it was. was. Andy Warhol? Andy Warhol. No, there's, it's one of the singles. I want to say it was Plush or Creep. Um, he's definitely just like playing bongos for, for one of those two songs, I thought. Well, it's not Creep. Um, so, Fern, what's your favorite song on the STP Unplugged? Mine's got to be Creep. I don't know. It was one of those songs you're like, at that point, you'd already heard like a thousand times on, you know, 89X or, you know, those kind of radio stations locally. And it was almost too much. But I remember yeah. the first time I heard the Unplugged version was on 89X. When he goes up an octave in that second verse, think you'll kind of need. It still gives me fucking chills. Yeah. Like every time he, every time he goes up there, I'm just like, whoa! Like it's <laughs> yeah. that sweet spot. Yeah. Like you know, because on the on the recorded version, he does not go up. He keeps it in that lower register. Uh -huh. But I mean, just that literally those like two lines maybe just get me every time, and mm -hmm. it just makes the whole thing. Mm, it's a my, moment. Yeah, it's yeah. a moment. Yeah. And creep is probably like, if I was just looking at those seven songs on their own I'd say like it's my favorite but as far as like like from the album version but for this uh, specifically the unplugged version of these songs I love Cracker Man I think it's oh yeah it's so fucking, driving yeah. it's just like to kick off an acoustic album like that and just have it sure. it's like one, two, one two yeah. the whole time yeah it's really tight it's yeah. really really fun yeah Surprises me because it's not a song necessarily when I listen to chords. I'm like, oh yeah, here's my jam, Cracker Man. Right, yeah. right. Like it's, but like it's actually, I think it's better than the album it version. Is. Yeah, it's, it it's shows really tight. It shows the root of the song better. Yeah, yeah that's it I mean? exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. awesome for sure. So, we, I don't know about you guys. Like, this is like a hard album to get a hold of, right? Like, yeah. did you listen to it on YouTube? That's the only place I could find yeah, it. Yeah, I had to look at many different versions of it, and they had it kind of mixed up, right? And they threw in a bunch of other acoustic stuff that wasn't even didn't right. even that happened like three years later. Yeah, when they yeah. tried to Sour mix Girl. It all together. I, yeah, mm -hmm. you know, it's like that's yep. not the album. <clears throat> the right. album is really just seven songs, seven right? Seven songs. Oh, which um, what's interesting too is Andy Warhol didn't make the uh, 
t televised? It, the televised version yeah. is because there's a guy named Sean Chubbs or Krebs or Chubbs. He made a mistake, I guess. Oh. There was a mistake when they were recording live, and then they went back in the playback, and it's like we can't, we can't fix it. <laughs> you know, tried to find a version to see the original to see where that happened. Yeah. And I couldn't find it, but that's the reason why they didn't air that one. I figured it was something to do with licensing, since it's a Bowie song. Right. Yeah. That could have. But could have been. They clearly were able to. Because he was a session musician. <laughs> That literally may have been it. The Nirvana yeah. covered Bowie on their unplugged thing yeah. may have been why they didn't put it on yeah. this on that version or like on the live version. Right, yeah. But then like we had to wait twenty years, fifteen years yeah. for it to actually be released or you could like listen to it. Right. It was weird. It was like fucking the Berenstein Bears or the Mandela effect. <laughs> where yeah. you know where I'm I like I thought it was I, there. I know I fucking watched this in ninety three yeah. or ninety four or whatever. This shit exists, but now I gotta wait until my thirties to listen to it again or whatever it was. <laughs> Did you ever hear the story behind uh, Bowie playing that song for Warhol? No. He played it for him and he hated it. Warhol he hated it. He hated it. <laughs> That's so funny. Because he's, he was a self-conscious dude. Yeah. He had skin disease. Right. Very self-conscious about his appearance. But the only compliment that he did give Bowie was yeah. apparently he was wearing some women's yellow shoes. I don't know if they were pumps. Bowie was? Bowie was. And he complimented on those. Bowie was like, Jesus Christ, I just wrote this sense. damn song yeah. about you. <laughs> <laughs> and you're telling me that my shoes are nice. Yeah. That's funny. Who knows the song sucks, that's but hey, your yellow shoes are pretty good. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, ordinarily here I would have, like, let's talk about the underrated song from the album, but, like, this isn't an uh, album that, I don't know about you guys, but I was never able to spend a ton of time with it. Did you? When it came out, yes. Yeah? So, yeah. what's the underrated song for you on this album? Um, I really think that... And I thought about this, and I go back and forth about it. Mm -hmm. And I think it has to be sex type thing. Okay, this version of Sex yes. Type Thing is something else. It is. It's the funnest version of a date rape song I've ever yes. heard outside of Sublime. It's very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you my reasons why. It's because uh, the sound of it is very swingy. Oh, yeah. You know, it's almost loungy. It's deliberately, totally deliberately loungy. loungy. Yeah. And I didn't know this at the time, but there's... It's a lyric in there when it's in break and he says, Hey there, how's your steak? I love that moment. My yeah. favorite moment in the whole fucking set. <laughs> in 94, I did not know what that meant. I wasn't old enough to understand what lounge music yeah, was or lounge like singer. Dinner theater or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And he was totally doing that. Yeah, that's Obviously, really there's nobody there funny. eating a steak. He was just making light of the situation. Uh, right, right, right. Yeah. It's pretty funny. And uh, what's funny about that, I got an interesting story. My older brother, Marty, he went and saw STP in 99 at the Palace. Hey there, how's your steak? Okay. Got really close, and he made a sign that said, Hey there, how's your steak? <laughs> On a sign. That's awesome. And he got really close, and this is a true story. He showed it, he was holding it up, Wylan acknowledged him, pointed at it, and laughed, and wanted it to come up. He wanted to take the sign, but yeah. security wouldn't allow it. Uh, security took the sign, so that was kind of a bummer. Yeah, but that's cool. It's cool Wylan saw yeah. it and acknowledged it. That's pretty cool. Yep. 
Fern, what about you? Did you get to spend time with this album to the point where you feel like you could say you have an underrated track from this album? Um, Wicked Garden. That's exactly my choice, too. Because uh, it's like a little departure from the original arrangement. Right. It's exciting. He, he changes his vocals a little bit during mm-hmm. that the burn part. Especially there. reminiscent of a song that I am familiar with yeah but you don't really catch it until they go into that first verse and then you're like oh yeah I got it here I am I thought it was kind of ballsy even to mm-hmm. like change the arrangement on that song their and, first hit single right mm-hmm. yeah in yeah. a setting like that I thought it was ballsy and I think they pulled it off yeah I, for sure I agree 100% like it's it's fun yeah it's a fun song during that, the breakdown of the burn, 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 because it's it totally drops. It goes mm-hmm. like halftime, and he's like, burn, burn, burn. The more I listen to that, it's like I want a re-release where they actually do that and then go into the studio version of burn, burn, after that. I mean, like you're imagining like a hybrid yes. of the two songs together. It would be cool, yes. but it would never happen. No, obviously. not now. And, yeah. It's, yeah. it's literally <laughs> physical impossibility. Physically now. impossible. <laughs> But at first, when it originally came out, I was kind of like bummed about that, bringing the best, because that was my favorite part of the song, when he was like, Oh, I could see see people being bummed about that. And it was like, man, he's a complete 180. Yeah. Right. It's like climaxing, and then all of a sudden, my load's gone? What the hell? (laughs) Poor load. Poor way to put it. (laughs) And we can edit that out. Uh, I probably won't. (laughs) All right. (laughs) But that's kind of what it made me feel like, oh, man, that's the... That's my favorite part, and you kind of... Yeah. But that's just my preference. Other people might love it. Is and there I still a, do love it. Is there yeah. a different favorite part of the album now for you? Because um, for me, it's the, hey, how's your steak? That's, that's literally my That's probably part. the best. <laughs> but here's my favorite. The way that... And we haven't got to Plush yet, which mm-hmm. is probably the most popular song that SVP's ever written, yeah. besides Interstate. Or, mm-hmm. But when he's... Um, and I feel... Mm-hmm. When he does that higher note, yeah, right there, I love it, man. It gets me every time. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. It's because it's more of a feeling thing. I don't think he even practiced that. No. And then he does yeah. the humming in mm-hmm. there. Yeah, you yeah. know, he doesn't come off like he's overly rehearsed it. Right, he comes off always as uh, someone who's feeling it, like a true front man. Just like this is, you know, I might be changing this little tweak here, but it's because that's what I'm feeling in this moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thing. All right. Is there a worse song on this album? It's only seven. Hmm. You want to talk about the worst song? I don't even like to say that worst song. Least, least good. Least desirable. A, yeah. Is there a least good song on this album? I would have to say Anywhere Hall because the song's already been done before, and they did it cleverly. The guy's obviously a fan of Bowie. Hmm. He's making it very obvious. It's not very different from the original. And not at all. Yeah. And Robert's bass lines are incredible. He's doing runs everywhere. There's bongos happening. The way he's singing, it's right on key. I mean, there's no deviation at all that mm-hmm. I can notice. And I've listened to it enough times to be able to... We all 
had been playing music for a long time. Mm-hmm. You sure. can hear it. He was on like, point every he song. He was on to point. Be honest, right yeah, there. I mean, he's so good. But that's one of those songs where when it gets to that one, I just don't listen to it because I just heard it so many times. Yeah, you know, yeah. by the original. That's just my personal yeah. preference, though. I'm stoked that it exists. Like, yeah, it, like, it is cool. I hadn't listened to this in a long time, and I'm not sure that I remember them even covering this. So, like, looking at the track list before the song came up, I'm like, is it is it going to be the Bowie song? Is it going to be the Bowie song? It's got to right. be the Bowie song. And then yeah. it was, and I was, <laughs> and I was excited. But, yeah, it is too similar to the original. Mm-hmm. Fern, what do you think? Uh, it's already been said, sex type thing. It's kind of my least fave. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I don't like the swingy lounge thing. I, I, I just don't. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I can listen to it. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> it just doesn't do it for but me But it's personally. good that they were kind of no, making I, fun of themselves well, as it I, was happening, and which I is totally cool. And I totally can right. appreciate, like, I, you know, trying something new and, and mixing it up. Like, again, that's a ballsy move. Yeah. Which I appreciate and respect, but from a listener perspective, I'm just, it. It's it's a no for me, dog. Yeah. <laughs> well, kind of, like how, kind of like how Jeff was disappointed by um, Wicked Garden, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Did either you guys ever see him live? I never saw him live. I saw him live with Aerosmith. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It was probably right '97 or '98, right around that era, and it was at the Palace. But I got there late, so I only got to see like half the set. Okay. And I was far away, uh, so it was just an echo chamber. You can say you saw him, but they I really feel it, like but it. I didn't feel yeah, it. Yeah, there was a few bands. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, one of those. Like Fern, you? No, I, I don't know. I, did, I missed all those good bands that I was into from like 91 to 95. Probably. When we were young, it's hard to get yeah, them. You know? yeah. yeah, I blame yeah. my parents. They were, you know, yeah. so overprotective. No, I mean, I couldn't be trusted to go to like Fox Theater or something big and, you know, outdoorsy or something cool like that. I just, yeah, it was not in the cards for me at that time in in my life, yeah. Um, Can we get back to Creep for a second? That's exactly, go right ahead. Creep's a great song. You said that that was one of your favorites, Fern. I agree with you to a point, but to me, it's too similar to the, the studio recording. There's okay. not that much variance besides the, yeah. the parts that you There's a lot of about. acoustic uh, yeah, accompaniment on the first you know, original so core did, version. It yeah, makes sense that they would that. use that for the Unplugged right, yeah, show. Right. Yeah. Kind of made sense. It was a and it was a big and, single. Right. So, but yeah. yeah, I hear what you're saying. Though. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's not too much that you can really do to it, but it never was a standout because it was too similar to the original for me. Hmm. Fair enough. But it's a good song. I've always loved it. always will love it. But Can we take this moment to point out um, Fern's Black nail polished toes oh my goodness look <laughs> yeah, at that thank you matte black yeah why why just the toes and not the fingernails uh i don't know um that's just how you're feeling my, my niece asked me she's 12 and she's like she just got for her birthday a big old thing of like 25 colors and she's like can i do your toes uncle Derek?" and i was like sure and she was like what like i think she was shocked <laughs> as shit i'm like i don't care go ahead honestly like, what this color is, do you want this you know? is what i was uh, assuming and hoping you would say the child did it yeah it was not <laughs> me yeah I now, it'd be cool if you did i wouldn't judge i just yeah. if anything i was like why the toes and not the fingernails but now now it makes sense <laughs> sorry i'm staring at his feet because we're like by a pool yeah, sorry. and we, we are going to swim with yes. some beers in us we got to get uh, in after this <laughs> Can I comment about... Um, you can comment about whatever the fuck you want to comment okay. about. Yeah, the drummer, Eric Kretz. Mm-hmm. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. I believe so. Big influence for me, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. I do. Because I was kind of a metal dude. Yeah. yeah. But everybody knows Led Zeppelin, John Bonham, how solid mm-hmm. he was, rock sure. solid, yep. everything is on point all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That dude is the same way. He know, He's never... I can't find one... And I've searched where he's messed up or 
overdone something. It's almost too much. It's almost too good. It's mm. too precise. It's too precise. Because <laughs> when you're jamming to yeah. a song, man, yeah. sometimes you have the tendency to want it to speed up. Right. No, he's in a pocket. Yeah. He does not leave that pocket. Huh. And it's such a rare trait for a drummer. That's when you know somebody's good. Because mm -hmm. I'm not speaking about me or anybody else that I know. You are a drummer, though. So I am a drummer. And somebody told me this long ago to watch the crowd. Yeah. Find a head and watch it move. That's how you keep time. Because hmm. it's they start change. speeding up. Yes. <laughs> or you know you're on point when you see some dude that's like just at the bar and he's just nodding back and forth. Watch that dude because he's enjoying it subconsciously. He's like feeling human, the groove. Yes. Human metronome. Feeling yeah, that that's groove. Human, that's the perfect, perfect, Travis. <laughs> you nailed it. That's funny. But yeah, but the, yeah. As far as um, how I relate to music. You know, drums-wise, he he's great, and I'm not sure what he's doing now. I think they're touring with a new singer from yeah. like American Idol or something. From what I understand, mm. that's pretty much what they're doing. Um, yeah. When Aaron Worley was on and did the Purple album for this show, he would echo those sentiments as well. Mm -hmm. Just that Eric Kretz is a dramatically underrated drummer. Yes, big mm. time. Yeah, and I guess that was one of the few complaints that I think I might have about the album is that he isn't able to go full bore as much, especially the, when he relies on the bongo. It's just like, oh man, like you should be all fucking over the place right now, but you're kind of reined in. Yeah. But again, that's also the sign of a good drummer that he could spread wide or focus real tight. Mm -hmm. And if you listen really close, like I had brought up Big Empty, mm -hmm. which is one of my favorite ones, his nuance of like the ghost notes, you're familiar yeah, with yeah. that. They're very subtle. Mm -hmm. in that breakdown that long breakdown and that thunderous those aren't meant to be the center of attention yeah. those are back burner items mm -hmm. but the tone is so low in the way he he cadences it it's perfect hmm. it's like man you always think oh could i do that better if i had the chance or no, I can't because <laughs> it's absolutely right on is there a criticism for the album at all for um, Besides sex type thing, I don't even know if I could criticize the album or their performance necessarily, but I guess like from like an overarching you know MTV's unplugged perspective, I think what's lacking maybe is the production value given post show to the recordings. Yep. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. I, like with Allison Chains and I mean even Pearl Jam, but Nirvana, like those three yep. kind of like stand out i guess because they were given that post you know production Dude, and yes. you know but this one Definitely. wasn't so no, you're right. i feel like it's a little i don't know it's it's just lacking that little magical something that someone with a heart behind you know a yeah. big board could really bring out of it i think you really nailed exact same issue i have with this album which is a minor one yeah, yeah but it's not the band's fault it's not the performance fault it's, a, it just it's wasn't mtv's given. fault or, or yeah. whoever released the album mm -hmm. when i did the episode with my buddy brad on uh, nirvana's mtv unplugged we talked about how scott lit came in yeah and i watched the original mtv unplugged that was aired and i listened to the album that he you know that he produced and there's a big yeah, difference yeah, like it makes sure. a big difference yeah and this album stone temple pilots unplugged it doesn't feel like someone came in and cleaned up any messes and right. scrubbed it clean and, right. and shiny like it needed to be one thing i noticed also that's weird to me is when i listen to it i don't think the audience knew the songs 
they're clapping in all these weird fucking yes. places. <laughs> they don't know the breakdowns. That's hilarious. Like, yeah. when that. there's the breaks. Oh, yeah, and Creep. Like, yeah. when they're like, every they time. And every they, time. And Andy Warhol. Take time. <laughs> they're, right, they're already clapping. Yeah. Like, all right, good job, guys. Yeah, no, good song. The song's like, still. And that happens sometimes at shows. Like, I've done that even at a show where I where I know the song and I'm just so excited. Yeah. I just do it anyways. And I'm, you know, a sheep and I follow the crowd. But, like, so the but I think you're right. I think yeah, that I think the audience point. was not super. Like, they weren't super shit, SDP fans. Why already? The best part's yeah. still to come, man. Like, Shh, guys, come on! <laughs> oh, right? You ruined it. You're supposed to live in that Some guy invent. Don't clap now, sign. Like you know, has that ever been done before? But so first time up for this album. Yeah. <laughs> Did you notice that when you're listening? Oh, 100 percent. Weird. I totally noticed it. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. I noticed at least three songs out of seven, which says a lot. Well, and you hear like a few people like start those awkward claps and everyone's like oh is that the end no i thought there was no, oh no. yeah there's more okay yeah, more. so <laughs> there is there is a little bit of a feel like because stone temple pilots is not a grunge band but they were trying to yeah. be shoehorned by everyone into that into that spot and there is kind of a feel with this unplugged performance now Bob Dylan, Bruce Springsteen, uh, Sting, all kinds of guys yeah. came out and did unplugged Weird. performances. Like, wasn't it like Jay Z? Meat Me- like, Loaf did yeah, one. Yeah, Jay Z did one. But when you Weird. think, I mean, when you think of the successful unplugged albums, Neil Young, okay. But other than that, it's like the Alice in Chains. Well, they didn't really have Clapton the album. had a good one. Clapton had a super. Okay, yes, no, I'm, that's you're, true. I'm losing my argument here. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're that right. one was but great. Other than that, you think of Pearl Jam and, and Nirvana's yeah. unplugged, right? Yeah. So I do kind of feel like they're they're trying to like cash in on that a little bit and kind of again like make them do that stuff yes. but you're right at the time there was tons of different acts that were doing mm-hmm. it so maybe not my argument and it was kind of hitting different demographics too as far yeah. as age and nostalgia and stuff like that because when you go back and listen to the stuff it's in the time because you appreciate stuff differently as time goes on obviously yeah. you listen to an album 20 years later and you, you hear things that you didn't hear you didn't appreciate then and you're, yeah. now you're like wow I'm so you can be so used to hearing something for 20 years, and it becomes like ah, no big deal. But you got to think nobody had ever heard that when it happened. It's true. So that's what makes it great. It's classic for a reason, but it was new and fresh at some point. That's why right. it became a classic. Yeah. Do you have any criticisms or other thoughts about this album before we move on? I was kind of disappointed that they added that higher on guitarist. They yeah, had a, like a session musician there. Uh, yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't fucking notice that. Yeah. <laughs> now that you mention it, I do remember yeah. someone playing he's kind of like that, off to the side. Yeah, he's yeah. the one that messed up Andy Warhol. That's why they couldn't air it on the. Oh, uh, uh, really? Yeah. Right. Okay. But his credit is a session, session musician. He probably didn't have time to learn it as well as he should have. Yeah, yeah misread it as I'm sure. Yeah. They, but they I would have much rather see the the founding original members and not some dude. <clears throat> playing guitar like on the side yeah like, yeah it takes I away from you. what's I really the you. band doing no yeah does it need that extra dude because yeah. they're focused like those those hired guns are literally just focusing on precision like you were kind of talking about earlier but like almost to a fault right you know like it's about the technical aspect of what they're doing they're not necessarily feeling it like yeah. the band members are who helped write it or co-write it or because they're not involved re- with the make original their own idea. parts right yeah so they're, yeah. they're literally just there to play what you tell them mm-hmm. so it almost like takes the the juice out of it you know yeah. I, I totally feel that because i mean i recently saw sunny day real estate and they were awesome yeah. but they had a 
third guitarist up there. Who, oh, they did? Not yeah. when I saw him. Oh, he was great, but... That's it, funny. He was technically sound, and he, I kind of made jokes. He looked like David Spade, but... Uh, <laughs> I only got sick of my jokes by the end of the show, but... Um, well, she's your wife. It's her yeah. job. <laughs> yeah, get see, sick of your jokes. Shut up, Derek. <laughs> Fuck, I get it. He looks like David Spade. Not funny. Uh, and he was great, but, like, yeah, he, he was doing all the leads and everything, and it was kind of like, meh. You know, like, a kind of a letdown, but... So yeah. I totally... I totally see what you're saying. I don't, yeah, because I saw him on the same tour, and I don't think I, I don't remember there being some yeah. dude I didn't. Maybe notice. he wasn't on that leg, I don't but know, yeah. That's funny. Do you have anything else to say about this album before we move on? Um, I just want to say that he's probably one of my favorite bassists of all time too. You Ro- said his uh, name, and Robert, then, Robert, yeah, Robert. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah. And did you know he met Wyland awesome. at a concert in 1989 when they were in Mighty Joe Young? They were dating the same girlfriend. Oops, and they yes. laughed about it. They laughed about it, yeah. and they formed a band. That's right. <laughs> That's so cool. That's very like, cool. I play bass. You want to get together? Yeah, that's man. so They ditched the girl and started yeah, the band. That's, yeah. so that's pretty fucking that's cool. That's a great story, if yeah. true. Yeah. I, that's yeah. what that's what they put out, so yeah. I'll, I'll choose to believe it. I know that this is an unplugged thing, which, I don't know, it's always so funny when it's like, unplugged means acoustic, but mm-hmm. he's playing an electric bass oh, the yeah. entire show. Oh, they <laughs> all know what that bass is. <laughs> they all do. That's awesome. A, <laughs> that's a um, Apollo violin bass, they oh, call those. Okay. Oh. And it's kind of reminiscent of Paul McCartney. Okay. You know that style. Yeah. Okay. But he played a box. McCarty played a box. I think okay. it was like know. the amps, the box yeah. amps. Okay. That they made box uh, uh, guitars and basses at the time. Just the body. Okay. I don't think they did the headstock and the, the fretboard. Uh huh. But um, yeah, that's an interesting thought. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm always interested in gear. Learn that yeah, for sure. Gear. Well, he's just got such a cool style too. Like you oh, see man. him like fucking with his thumb, but then he moves to like the forefinger and the middle finger. I'm just like, wow, that he is technically sound too. And I'm not a bassist, but playing with Jim, who we all know and love because he's phenomenal he's, at bass. Jim's always reminded me of him. Yeah, like the way he could go always back running. and forth yeah. and like he didn't rely on one style in particular, you know, could mix it up to get, just make that bass sing. So that was kind of always my thing with, with him on bass. Like, And he has some really great runs oh, where yeah, you're just constantly. like, like it, ooh, he like yeah, just that, hits that sweet that spot. That bass line on, on Big Empty Yes, so yes, it's so unbelievable. You could almost isolate that and I'd be like, that's fine. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll listen to that. Right. right. It's so <laughs> just good. Just down the volumes on the other guys. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. <laughs> so it's funny because I was in the Stone Temple Pilots but I kind of like got over them for a long time. And so I've been re- revisiting them a lot for the show and coming to be like, oh, I have been missing out. I liked them, but I like, I should have been paying more attention to them. Another band that I did that with, but I came back to them sooner is Alice in Chains. 